the Public News Service Daily Newscast, January the 10th, 2024. I'm Mike Clifford. A recent report looking at executive compensation found that companies with the most overpaid CEOs had lower returns to shareholders than the S&P average. We get more in this Yes Magazine, Maryland News Connection collaboration. The nonprofit shareholder advocacy group As You Sow recently produced its 10th report on the 100 most overpaid CEOs. The report found that while the average S&P 500 firm saw annualized returns of 8.5%, companies on the most overpaid list lagged at 7.9%, with the 25 worst seeing only a 6% return. The Maryland-based lead researcher Rosanna Landis-Weaver says over time, changes in social norms, corporate compensation strategies, the tax code, and rules around stock repurchases have contributed to overpaid executives. We look at period of history when America was a leader in creating solid middle-class jobs, but also industry growth. Companies plowed back any excess money into the company, into research and development and new initiatives, whatever. What we've had companies saying lately is, you know what, the best thing I can do with this money is buy my own. Brett Pivato reporting. When As You So began these reports 10 years ago, the average compensation of the 10 most overpaid CEOs was $56 million. This time, the number was $88 million. That is a 59% increase. Now, for the Washington Post, a panel of three federal appellate judges expressed skepticism on Tuesday about Donald Trump's claim to sweeping immunity from criminal prosecution. The Post reports that Trump argues he cannot be tried for trying to overturn the 2020 election because he was acquitted by the Senate. James Pierce, a Justice Department lawyer, called that claim an extraordinary frightening proposition. Now to New York, where federal funds have been awarded to applicants transitioning to electric school buses. The $69 million grant is part of the Environmental Protection Agency's Clean School Bus Program grants competition. This money will be split between the Evans Branch Central School District in western New York and two New York City school bus services. Deb Peck Kelleher with the Alliance for Clean Energy New York notes despite widespread appeal, misinformation about these buses has spread. I think the big one is that they aren't going to work in New York, that New York is too cold or New York is too hilly. And we're finding that's not the case. Canada and Alaska are successfully using ZEV electric buses. Other opposition has come from lawmakers who feel the state is moving too fast. State Senator Joseph Griffo called for a moratorium on the state's mandate, noting smaller rural school districts might struggle to keep up with it. New York State is mandating only electric school buses be purchased starting in 2027. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. This is Public News Service. The American Red Cross says it is experiencing an emergency blood shortage. A regional facility in North Dakota says its situation isn't quite as dire January is National Blood Donor Month, and the urgent plea from the Red Cross notes that the U.S. faces the lowest number of people giving blood in 20 years. Monica Jansen is with the Dak Min Blood Bank, which is a hospital-based donation site in Grand Forks. She says even though they are in better shape, it doesn't mean volunteers can stop coming by. If we aren't getting our blood needs from our local community here and we have to go out and request blood nationally, we might not have that as a backup. And while donor support has been strong on the local level, Jansen says they could use more supplies of O negative. She feels the public might just assume that blood supplies will always be there, but her facility notes that situations can change quickly and not having enough from donors could be a life or death situation for hospital patients in need. 
I'm Mike Moen. And young farmers in Pennsylvania and across the country want the Congress to help them, especially with fair and affordable land access as they deal with the effects of climate change. Many young farmers and farmers of color have difficulty finding land to purchase. So the National Young Farmers Coalition has launched a campaign called One Million Acres for the Future. Adrian Nelson with the coalition says they're asking Congress to make an investment in equitable land access in the next farm bill by passing the Bipartisan Investing in Land Access Security and Opportunities Act. What we're asking for is $100 million to be put towards a land access initiative that pretty much would allow groups of farmers or nonprofit organizations to buy farmland and distribute it to farmers. For Public News Service, I'm Danielle Smith. Finally, from our Terry D, pets are often considered beloved family members, and like any loved one, their health is a priority. Research from Purdue University has found a link between a dog's exposure to cigarette smoke and lawn care products and higher rates of cancer. The team observed the environment and activity of 120 Scottish Terriers and found the dogs were six times more likely to develop urinary bladder cancer than other breeds. College of Veterinary Medicine professor Deborah Knapp says there are steps dog owners can take to reduce the risk of their pets becoming ill. Avoiding cigarette smoke, avoiding long chemicals, and being aware so that if the dog develops symptoms that say middle age to older age, like blood in the urine or urinary accidents, that it would be a really good idea to have their veterinarian check the dog out. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service. Here's our radio stations, big and small, your favorite podcast platform. You can find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.